Hey, this is Stuart from the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Uh, wanted to make an announcement before this week's episode. Unfortunately, the sound quality is not the best. We had some special guests on and there was a little bit of a snafu from a technical perspective. So hopefully that won't distract you from enjoying the show. It's great content this week. We're digging into our 2018 technology study. So please bear with any sound volume issues that might occur. Anyway, here we go. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 92 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler. And this is a very, very special episode today because I'm joined not only with Fueligans, but some very, very special guests. So before we get to the guests, the normal crew's here, Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho. And Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. And making her debut on the show is Friwani Gola from Stay In Touch. How's it going, Free? Hello, hello. I am great. I've been practicing saying your full name, but from now on, the rest of the episode, I'm going to say just Free, if that's okay. You know what? Now I know why you introduced me as the first presenter. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I got that out of the way. We can we can relax now. And then making his, I believe it's a three-peat on the show, is Richard Dunbar from Flip2. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. You're right. This is this is my official hat trick. There you go. So, uh, Richard, last time you were on the show, there was some controversy about fruits. <laughs> Do you remember? Right. Like, you were very pro-banana, and, uh, and Misha was very anti-banana. Do you remember this? Yeah. I do, yeah. Yep. Um, Free, you have an opinion on bananas? Um, I like them. <laughs> yeah. She's playing neutral. <laughs> yeah. She's riding the fence. Love it. All right. So the reason we have these lovely guests on the show today is we have been working very hard for several months on this amazing study that uh, Stay in Touch, Flip2, and Fuel put together. And it's basically a 2018 technology study where we asked a bunch of hoteliers and vendors a ton of questions about the technology they're using, their satisfaction levels, how they pick new vendors, things like that. So... We really wanted to see whether the, the vendors and the hoteliers were in alignment in their opinions and where the gaps are. And then also, you know, what the industry needs to focus on moving forward. Technology is becoming an increasing, you know, important part of everyday life for all of us. So that's kind of what we're going to be going over today. It's really fun. We're about to publish this. You're going to be able to get access to this study from our website. So you go to fueltravel.com slash was it tech study? Tech study. Fueltravel.com slash tech study, and you'll be able to get your very own download of this. All the data is really cool. And it must be really expensive, too, because there's a lot of really good information in here. Well, you know, we did think about charging market value for it, Pete, to be honest, which would probably mean about $4,957. And 99 cents. Um, yeah, well, I didn't want to be greedy. But you know what we decided because we love our listeners so much? It's going to be absolutely free. That's amazing. Yeah. They do have to check a little box that says that they're going to get the download and for GDPR compliance that we are allowed to send them nice little friendly emails from time to time. And that, that's, a, that's a small price to pay because it is. You, in looking at this data, I've gone through it a lot getting ready for the podcast. It's really good information. And that's not coming from some of the people who produced it. It's really valuable and shows a lot of insights of you know what where vendors and hoteliers are just 
off the mark and in some cases on it. Yeah, you, you and Melissa really have seen this for the first time in the last couple of weeks. Free and, and Ricky and I have been, you know, kind of knees deep in this for, for quite some time. So it's exciting for us to finally be able to share it with everyone. But um, before we get into the, that and reveal some of the, the biggest insights, we have a section, ladies and gentlemen, on the show called the News of Roos. So news what's going on in the News of Roos, Pete? Well, I want to throw something out there first. I think we needed a, a jingle for this. And okay. I, came up, I came up with something. Oh, you did? You ready for it? Mm-hmm. With hotel marketing that cannot lose, now it's time for news a <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I love it. You think that's worth it? I, I think totally. We might need to like put some instruments behind it, get the clarinet in next episode. and <laughs> Oh, we absolutely need Go it. all out. Yes. And, and we can record it once, and I can just pop it in every episode. I like it. It'll be great. So, anyway. That's how we're going to start the newsroos. All right, so what's that first newsroo? So the first newsroo is an Expedia travel research study, and I saw this on T-News. It came out uh, today, which if you're listening is July 18th. Expedia says packages are better for hotels than room only. Now, I don't know that this is you know groundbreaking technology. The article, it is written by Expedia, so it takes more of an approach of book through Expedia so you can package your you know, hotel and your travel together. But what I liked about it is one, it had a lot of really great data, including that people who buy packages are typically paying around 30% more in ADR than those booking standalone stays. And granted, <laughs> it's coming from Expedia, yeah. but we have a lot of experience on the golf side. And what we found from a golf perspective is those golf guests who book their stay at a hotel and their golf in a single reservation, one, they book it earlier, and this typically had a slightly higher ADR as well. The other thing we see is that it's a lot lower cancellation rate when they book everything together because they're very vested in that vacation and pretty much locked in. So the article's interesting. It doesn't have a link to the Expedia study. I'm working on getting that and hopefully can include that in the show notes. But it's definitely something worth worth checking out. I declare shenanigans, sir. Uh, no, shenanigans. The, the, the data is good. Well, it is. I think that you know it's interesting because <laughs> Xpedia right now are making this big push about packages, and they've got this whole concept of you, it's you can make the package at any time, right? So if you book the hotel now, you can come back and book the flight, or vice versa, you can book the flight and come back and book the hotel later. And when they're talking about packages, that's what they're really mm-hmm. doing: is car rentals, flights, and in the in the hotel. Now, the argument that packages are better for hotels because people that book a package stay longer or an like higher ADR. Well, think about that, right? The people that book packages, they have the flight in the hotel. Typically, that's going to be a longer stay. They're flying mm-hmm. to the de- destination versus someone driving to a destination for a day or two. Are you Probably. saying it's more correlation? Than yeah, I, I would say absolutely it's more correlation than yeah. causation. But hats off to Expedia for being the masters of spin and trying to convince people <laughs> to do what they want, the puppet it, masters that yeah. they are. And they, they definitely say that instead of booking direct, you should book through Expedia and book a package. Yeah, that's better for the hotels, right? Oh, Obviously. definitely better for hotels. Yeah, I mean, hotels, why would they want anyone to book direct? It makes I mean, no that's sense. nonsense. So. I do think, though, it shows that booking packages can be also just as effective from a hotel direct perspective. And to find things that your guest would like to do and include that as part of that reservation process via additional services or whatever it might be. But to bundle those things together, we've seen it, it does help. Yeah, you guys have any anything to add on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess my I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Stuart. I mean, I, I like Expedia. I think they do really good things in the industry. I do think there's definitely some spin going on. I, I think I haven't seen that, but I I think you guys said it leads to higher ADR. I'm not really sure how that leads to a higher ADR for the hotel. I, and generally, I think it would be lower. My experience working with Expedia, it's always a deeper discount. You always have to provide a better rate, so it's a low ADR um, source of business. But it did, back in my hotel days, um, it did... Uh, make up a huge portion of our contribution from Expedia. So it was, it, it's nice to be able to discount and get in that package path and not get any, any uh, rate violations from your brand or, you know, if that's your thing. Um, in terms of how it's better for the hotel, I don't, I don't know. That feels like a little bit of a stretch. I, I think it's all subjective. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that hoteliers have to pay attention to how Expedia is now branding, um, you know, this element so that, they have to actually come to the table with an approach that's going to push back on this idea that going through Expedia or, or OTAs is going to help them better, and thus, um, you know, giving a larger share of, of you know their their revenues to to Expedia. So, I think it's more so, you know, what how are hoteliers going to how are hotels going to respond to this? Yeah, yeah, and it it seems like it's not just hotels either. If you look across the space, a lot of people are trying to get into this packaging concept, right? You know, not necessarily the flights, but certainly if you look at Airbnb, they're all about bundling in the experience as well. So, I, I think this is kind of just Expedia trying to stay relevant mm-hmm. and putting out news that that makes them sound like they're they're doing everything they can to help the hotels because it's lined their pockets. All right, what's the next uh, news Well, our next news is more of an alert Can I brand that now? <laughs> we may, That's just we, ridiculous. <laughs> we may have talked about this probably several months ago. This is old news, but it's very timely because it's about to take effect. So this is from Search Engine Land, and it's an alert that sometime this month, in July 2018, the Chrome browser will now mark all non-secure sites as non-secure in the browser. So users will, at some point this month, start to see that not secure in their browser URL. And it's just a warning that if you're not HTTPS, it's going to look a little maybe suspicious to users who really are unsure of what's going on. So try if at all possible, to be secure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people that listen to the show by now should have already heeded our advice over the last several, several months. It, it's not a big deal to, to create an HTTPS version of your site now versus you know, two or three years ago, you had to go through a lot of steps. But now, especially if you're on an easy platform like WordPress, a lot of times your, your host, like WP Engine, whoever it is, will pretty much do it for you. You know, it's a couple of clicks. Or if you're using a CDN or some 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 kind of third party to speed your site up, a lot of times they will also allow you to do HTTPS. But if, if you haven't yet, definitely get on this now because you do not want to put any kind of doubt in the consumer's mind when they're going through that shopping process because doubt it leads to fear. Fear leads to anger. Yeah, anger really leads to hate. And hate leads to mm, suffering. According, according to Master Yoda, at least. So and he's all knowing. So yeah, he is. Mm. All right. So, so you better the, do it. Uh, that's that, the news ruse. Is that the news ruse? Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump into the study, guys. I know everyone's excited to hear lots of things. So essentially, what we did is we we it was a self-reported survey. We we polled you know about four hundred or so vendors slash hoteliers. Came back. Um, 
it, it was kind of interesting that, you know, it was about, it wasn't 50-50. We had uh, about twice as many hoteliers answers as we did vendors, but it was a good number of both. Um, g- demographically speaking, the, the age ranges were what you would expect. You know, we had a lot of people in the Gen X and, and the kind of boomer and a handful of millennials and I think one or two Gen Zs and maybe a couple of the, the older silent generation. But then uh, from a, a gender perspective, it, it was interesting because what we saw was it definitely skewed. We had more males in general uh, answer. On the hotelier side, it was about 62% male versus 37% female. But um, on the supplier, the vendor side, it was really interesting that 75% of those that responded were, were male versus just 24% were female. So um, I don't know there's a whole lot to take from that, but it was just interesting that it skewed a little bit more male and a little older on the supplier side versus the hotel side. But guys, I'm going to throw it out to you. You know, we asked about 14, 15 different kind of questions, everything from, you know, how happy are you with your current provider for a bunch of technologies from your PMS, booking engine, CRM, whatever the technology is. Um, but what, what I'm going to throw it out to each of you. What were some things that really surprised you looking through some of the data and the results? Pete, you want to start us off? Yeah, so one of the things that I saw that was probably the most surprising is we asked hoteliers, how satisfied are you with your current technology provider? And it ranked it from do not use all the way up to extremely satisfied. And there's items in there from analytics, call center, CRM, email marketing, your CRS, online booking engine, PMS, and revenue management. Uh, I'm sure other people want to talk about this as well. The one that's most surprising to me that really stuck out is 34% of the hoteliers surveyed did not use any form of call center. And the rest of them had very little feedback on it whatsoever. And what we're seeing is you know, people who use a call center and are able to integrate it into the rest of their platforms it can become a really, really effective means of not only better handling calls and converting calls, but it's also a very powerful tool in terms of outbound marketing to your guests. So I thought that was really interesting, if, you know, how few hoteliers are really making full use of a call center platform. Yeah, I definitely agree. We, we had a meeting yesterday with a client that's a large it's a group of three properties, each of, you know, three, 400 unit properties. And uh, they they don't have a central call reservation center. They they do it still. They have the front desk people manning the phones when they have time. So think about the the lost opportunity of inbound calls when they're servicing a guest. Think about the fact that the reservationist isn't necessarily trained as a salesperson. And when we start listening to some of the calls that they're taking, you know, the, the typical call is, "Hey, I was calling to check rates for next week." Uh, these dates, this many people, and the, the reservation is so busy because they're trying to check people in. They'll just say, "Okay, here's the rates. Is there anything else I can help with?" And that's it. That's not a sale, right? It's not the persuasion. It's not, you know, would you like me to go ahead and book that? You know, providing people with options, giving them more of a direct path to conversion. And then what we've seen a lot with our clients that are sophisticated about this, when they do have dedicated salespeople taking those kind of phone calls, like you touched on, Pete, is the outbound calls can be so, so valuable. You know, we got people generating millions of dollars a year on outbound. So if you see that John Doe stayed last year and hasn't booked yet this year, pick up the phone and call them and see if they're interested. Or if they call you and say, 
um, thanks for letting me know the rates, but I need to go talk to my spouse before making a decision. Make a note of that and call them back and say before they get off the phone, would you mind if I call you back after you've had a chance to talk to them and we can see if we can get you taken care of because you know, we're filling up fast, we wouldn't want you to miss out, something like that. So I agree with you. Getting sophisticated with you know, not just the cool tracking technology and a centralized system that helps you uh, identify where the opportunities and weaknesses are within your call center, but just having that process that is a revenue generator. It's not a cost mm-hmm. anymore. It's a revenue generator. And I think if you look at folks like Navis who are in that space, they do a really good job of selling on the ROI. If you look at the return you get from their product, not just what it costs, but how much revenue it's generating, it's, it's a phenomenal investment. I would say one of the things that shocked me a little bit was just how much room for improvement there really is from a technology standpoint in terms of how the hoteliers view how technology is meeting their needs. There was very, very little of any technology that was either meeting all needs or exceeding expectations, very little. Uh, No technology achieved more than 3% of votes in extremely satisfied. 3%, 3%, that's that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad in terms of customer satisfaction. Um, of all the technologies we're looking at, it appears that booking engines maybe have an edge over everything else where at least 48% was meeting most needs and 13% meeting all needs, so that was good. But, oy, the fact that, I don't know, 44% of, participants said that CRM slash email marketing was only meeting some of their needs. This is a pretty, like email marketing, it's been around forever and it's only meeting some needs. Yeah, but if you look at the technology landscape out there, you know, there's been a lot of consolidation. There's a lot of antiquated solutions out there that, you know, Yes. I get why people are frustrated with the technology. So we need to step it up as technology providers. We do. I so I mean, just to jump in there, I thought it was not surprising at all that 52 or 55 percent of hoteliers weren't satisfied with their current PMS, um, and that might just be in large part because many of them are still on these old, antiquated, uh, you know, outdated systems, like a, a legacy system in which they don't have the opportunities to leverage what a cloud technology solutions bring to the table. So, and it's interesting to, you know, we probably have to go deeper on this, um, but I'd like to ask those hoteliers, is the issue the technology or is the issue um, the lack of service there? You know, so, and it brings home the point that if it is technology and you were to move to a cloud, um, you know, cloud solution, how then do you how then do you navigate this world of tech solutions where everything must be integrated in order for you to get, you know, to enhance your bottom line? Um, and that goes again to the core of another question that you know, one of these other findings, which most hoteliers and most of the vendors who responded to this study said that they, one of the biggest challenges is the lack of integration between these products. And so, even if we are going to make the argument that cloud is the solution, and I think just about everyone in the industry is making that argument, how do we then make it sufficient enough for hoteliers so that they're not just going it alone, that they understand the importance, the um, you know the opportunities that cloud brings when you're able to leverage all of your core solutions in one bundle 
and they speak well together um, and they work well together. Mm-hmm. So can we can we go back to the PMS thing? Just a second, that's not a breach of etiquette, is it? No, they, they, hey, you've listened to the show. We don't have etiquette on this show. <laughs> I just I just wanted to hear you say that. Okay. Um so on the PMS thing, you know, the interesting thing about that, I think that was I think that was the the one that was um that scored lowest in terms of satisfaction. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah, so I mean that's not super surprising. I mean, I've I've been in this industry a while. I've never talked to a hotel that said they're satisfied with their PMS provider. And so when you have an entire industry that basically says they're not happy with the product, I don't I don't necessarily think that that's an issue with the product per se. I think that's more indicative of, to Freeze Point, there being probably more of an issue with the provider. And the, the question was framed asking about the provider, not about the product. Mm-hmm. And so, in my experience, the things that I've seen that lead hotels to be dissatisfied with a PMS tends to be with them going to the vendor and saying, I would like these things and the vendor either not doing it or pushing it off or saying, no, no, you don't really need that. You need this, that type of thing. So I I would argue, and she's right, we need to go deeper on this, but I would argue that it is more of a service related thing. Um, the one kind of word of caution I have though, is if a hotel is unhappy with their PMS, keep in mind that whatever it is about your PMS that you don't like, there's going to be things about other PMSs you don't like. They're switching. The risk that you run in switching is that you um, maybe eliminate some of the things that you know you don't like that you've built business practices around to kind of compensate for, and you acquire new things that you didn't know you didn't like, and now you have to develop all new business practices around those to accommodate those. So sometimes it's almost better to stay where you're at unless there's a major hurdle that you can resolve by switching. It sometimes is better, I think, to just stay where you're at because no one's ever happy with their PMS anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. But if if where you're at is a legacy system that, that is not going to be able to to evolve in a, in a you know, in that an industry I, where I technology agree. is, to, yeah, where technology yeah. is constantly pushing things forward. And eventually, you're going to have to be able to leverage all these other best-of-breed solutions um, and have a PMS that can connect well to those systems. So I agree that making that decision, and we, and we see that you know every day, making that decision to move away from a legacy PMS is a big decision. It's the core of your, you know, your, your operation. It's the core of your, uh, your business. So, but I think there has to be a level of forward thinking there. If I, I stay I where I'm at right now, what is that doing for me? You know, how am I putting myself in a position, my business in a position to evolve in the future? Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I think I think there are certain things that you just there just need to be there, and with some legacy systems, they've just they've missed the boat on this stuff. Like, if there are certain features that you don't have by now, uh, are you ever? I mean, that's a good question to ask. Like, call your provider and say, are you ever going to have? <laughs> yeah. And if they're, I mean, they're probably going to give you the same answer they always do. And if they do, then you know it's time to start to start looking. Yeah, I, I think we uh, we upset someone upstairs because there's big thunderclaps going on around here. So if, if we get cut <laughs> off from you guys, it's it's nothing you said. It's just that our power goes out. But no, I agree 100% with you um, on, on both sides of that. You know, I, th- I think you've got to be mindful if you're considering switching because it is a big ordeal on it. Not only, you know, you're coming at it from whatever your role is, your perspective, you know, because you're listening to this, let's assume it's a marketing perspective. You want to be able to merchandise better or you want to be able to have availability online more effectively, whatever it is. 
but then you've got to consider every department within you know from the reservations from from the, the housekeeping from front desk it, the PMS is something that really touches everyone within in the property and affects everyone so you've got to be really diligent in in really do your homework on when you're looking at switching of what what benefits there are and what drawbacks there are and I will say this I think you know the folks like stay in touch are really leading the way in terms of the new generation of of PMS cloud-based PMS and uh, you know rapidly building out some of the functionality that is needed to, to service some of these bigger properties uh, but I'm also beginning to see the legacy PMS is now waking up to this fact and realizing that unless they become open and integratable that I just made that word up. Integratable is not a word, is it? Um, it is now. It is now. Um, but it, if, if if they don't become integratable, then th- people aren't going to want to use them because they want to use the best in breed booking engines. They want to use the best in breed you know channel management system. They want to use the best in breed CRM. So their PMS has to talk to these things, and people really want to have that flexibility to plug and play. And uh, that's why you're seeing folks like Springer Miller really adopting that kind of open mentality. You're seeing folks like um, Senium coming up now, which their their whole shtick is it's all plug and play where you don't even need to use their PMS. If you still want to use their housekeeping module or their whatever module, you can do it without the PMS. So I, I think there's a need for integration. Obviously, every single response that we saw throughout this entire study was integration, integration, integration. Um, but I think the technology providers have woken up to that fact already. It's just going to take a little while to catch up, you know, because it is not a good standard. HTNG is not something that everyone's adopted. So how, how do we get there? It's just going to take a lot of, a lot of hard work from all the vendors collaborating. Hopefully we, you know, stay in touch, flip to and fuel, uh, are helping to catalyze this conversation with this study that we did. That was kind of part of the point of us even doing this in the first place. So. Yeah, with with PMSs, and, and I'll I'll leave it at this. But with PMSs, integration has has been always the biggest bone of contention. For sure. And everyone I've talked to that's had an issue with PMS, it always centers in some way around integration or or the lack thereof. Yeah, and I know I said this on recently on one of the shows, and you know at High Tech this year we went there, and we're someone that that really doesn't have a dog in that fight. We we kind of try to stay Switzerland when it comes to PMS, and. Uh, for a long time, some of the big guys have been really resistant to us. You know, we, we have a booking engine, we have a mobile app, we have an ECRM platform, and we'd go to these people and say, we want to integrate, we want to integrate, and they, they just they dismiss us. They don't even give us the time of day, let alone get to the point where we can have a conversation about the value it provides to their, their, um, their uh, hotels. But, you know, talking to some of these new folks like Stay In Touch, when we go to them and say, hey, we'd like to integrate this, sure, here's your API. Here's the API. You can yep. build to it. You know, yep. that's it's a completely different philosophy because you look at someone like Opera, it's still, for a vendor like us, one, I have to have three clients that are willing to, to do the integration before they'll even give me an op- option to do it. And then I have to drop like 20 grand as an integration fee. It's crazy. So, so there's a big disincentive for people to, to integrate with some of those big boys. But um, I, I'm beginning to see it change. The conversations we had this year with folks like Opera and Agilisys and, and Springer Miller, it, it's a different, completely different conversation now. They're very much more willing and open to work with us because I think they realize it's the demand is there from their 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 um, hotels. Yeah, yeah. For, for us. Seeing, seeing vendors, the willingness to integrate for us is far more important than the difficulty of integrating. 
because the, the technical hurdles, you can clear any technical hurdle, right? But to get past a blocker in an organization or the organization as a whole that says we're just not going to do it, yep. what can you do about that, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's, a, that's a way better indicator for us that we're dealing with a company that is is on the kind of you know forward thinking side of things and has a willingness to adopt uh, interfaces, new integrations, that sort of thing, because it's a better overall experience for their consumers and mm -hmm. their customers, I should say, and and those those customers guess, which is what it all comes down to. Yeah, and you know, in in an increasingly integrative. Um, you know, industry where technology again is going to have to speak well with other uh, systems are going to have to speak well. It brings home the point here where hoteliers said lack of integration is one of the biggest challenges. But second to that was price, increasing price. And if we as an industry don't understand or don't come to grips with how we're using, I mean, you know, not putting the onus on the hotelier to. Um, shell out money for every upgrade or for every integration, then that's going to be, that might be an issue that becomes the number one challenge for them is price as opposed to integration. So we have the integrations and now you're charging me a connection fee for your PMS or, you know, uh, to connect to a different system. So that's something I think we have to address is that as we become increasingly integrative, as systems start to speak to each other more and we open up that landscape, how do we make sure that we're not taxing hotels more in order to connect to some of these other solutions? Um, so, if I, you know, on the PMS side, we don't offer, I mean, you know, we don't, we don't offer a, a connectivity fee. There are no fees, but there's no saying what the RMS is going to require the hotel, uh, you know, to shell up as, a, as it relates to a fee or any additional price or. Yeah. I mean, all, all of us being in the technology space, we, we understand that what it's not really a whole lot of cost as it scales for, for the integration piece, right? Once the integration is kind of done, it's, it's flipping a switch for the most part to turn on. You know, there exactly. might be some configuration, but to turn on a new integration is, is relatively easy. There's a, there's a PMS company out there. I'm not going to name them because we're really trying to build a better relationship with them because it has not been good so far. But we integrated with them about... Uh, 12 months ago or so and uh, they so we went out and found other clients that are using their current homegrown booking engine and said hey here's the benefits of ads and here's our price and they went back to the PMS and said we'd like to switch to, to fuels booking engine and the PMS tried to charge them $30,000 per property just to essentially give us the integration access which was already done. There was no development needed. It was just them probably installing an update to their web service and giving us credentials. And they were trying to charge them $30,000 per property. To me, that's taking the eye off the ball, right? So now we are forced to have tighter relationships from one provider to the next. We're taking the eye off the ball who matters most, which is the hotelier. So you see a lot of providers taking these uh, fees, connectivity fees, as a way to... Um, add in another revenue opportunity that only hurts the hotel air right and i get that that you know there's some cost involved in maintaining that and you know vendors are in business to make money right i get that there's, there's no shame in making a profit but there's definitely a, a big line between you know 50 100 bucks a month connectivity fee if you feel like you have to do it versus 
$30,000 setup. That's well, just, it, you know. It's the old telco model versus, you know, like, like an iPhone. You know, you have one phone, and if you want to make a change, it's going to be very expensive. Whereas, you know, now everyone's used to putting an app on, expecting that app to work with, you know, everything else on your phone and not necessarily be a big deal. When you have the old guard that wants to do that, I mean, it, one, it prevents you from wanting to, to having the best system that you possibly have. And then two, if I go investing $30,000, then I'm kind of stuck with that provider and they may not have the best service, but yeah. I get caught in this thing where I've already invested so much. You know, is it worth me switching? Right. And, and in, in that case, they didn't want to switch PMS because the PMS does fine, but now they're stuck with this yeah. old booking engine that isn't even mobile friendly, right. that, that has a terrible conversion rate, and they want to get out of that because it's costing them money every day. But now they're... You know, being extortion to try to get them out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they ended up going back and, and kind of playing hardball and they beat beat down the price significantly. But still, to, the audacity to come out with that kind of cost is just, it's naive and short-sighted. And, and like you said, Free, it's taking your, your eyes off of what really matters. And you got to play the, you know, you got to play the long game. Ultimately, as a PMS, it benefits you, your value proposition, if you can come to the table and say, we connect to all of the best, best of great solutions. You know, there's no one that you can point to and say, yeah. there's a real player in the game and say that we don't connect to them. And that I think that is really the, the goal, is to move more towards an open, um, increasingly connected um, technology landscape. Yep. Agreed. All right. Well, I think we've beaten up all the legacy PMSs. So. Any, anything else? Wants anyone else want to have have a stab at what stood out to them? I have one other thing I'd like to talk about. You may proceed. Right. I would like to talk about booking engine factors. One thing that was really cool about this question is that the hoteliers and the suppliers all had the same top five responses. They weren't in the same order, but they were the same. Five. So we had integration with the website, PMS integration, mobile friendliness, ease of use for the guests, and conversion rate. Or right. So back up a little bit. So just to clarify, because no one else is reading what you're reading right now. So yeah. it's the fact that the most important factor when considering a booking, a booking engine. engine. Yes, right? correct. Okay, so go through them again. So both hoteliers and suppliers agreed on the top five, which were integration with the website, PMS integration, mobile friendliness, ease of use for guests, and conversion rate. They were not in the same order between the two, but they were both, all five were in both categories. But here is what brings a little tear to my eye, and Stuart always says that I'm dead inside, so the fact that I'm crying over this is is it, quite a statement. So it resurrected you enough I, to have an emotion so that yes, you Yes, well. I have an emotion about this. Oh. So this is what's funny to me. Both hoteliers and suppliers said that conversion rate was important. Hoteliers rated that as number five. Suppliers rated that as number two. However, both suppliers and hoteliers said that analytics integration was least important. So please somebody explain to me how conversion (laughs) rate can be at the top of your list when you can't even necessarily integrate an analytics system. Please, somebody explain this. Okay, I, I'm going to take this, but I'm not going to answer it because I'm in the same boat as you. I was going to mention this as well. This was super frustrating for me too when I looked at this because analytics is on the bottom of the list, but earlier on in the survey, everyone responded that they were unhappy about where an, analytics were yes. in general. 
And then when you ask them to prioritize it, they put it at the bottom. Right. So I don't understand. There's sort of a, like a paradox here of we, it's super important to us. It has to be great. Not really. Just kidding. <laughs> so, JK. And here's the thing. When, yeah, exactly. And then when you look at a booking engine, the data that's coming out of that booking engine is arguably some of the most important data that they're going to have access to. So why would they not want analytics at that layer to be some of the best they could possibly have? I don't understand that. So I didn't. I know I didn't answer your question. I just kind of like <laughs> piled on threw it further into like the black hole. You made you made her cry even more now. <laughs> I'm crying too. This is sad. yeah, it is. But you know, it it really does bother me because you know we see a lot of we get a lot of audits like hotels come to us. They have a problem and they they want to try to figure out why that problem is happening. I, I would say eighty percent, and I might be being generous. 80% of the hotels that come to us have stuff wonky with their analytics. Like even though they're using, you know, tools like Google Analytics or Adobe Analytics, some of the most sophisticated tools that have ever been created by humanity, right? These these are really cool tools that if used correctly can tell you everything you want to know about how effective your marketing is. And yet the vast majority of people that are using these tools are not using them correctly. They, they didn't in, yeah. in, implement it properly or they're not looking at the right data. And I, I don't know if it's a lack of education, you know, or or, a lack, or it's just hard to get or a lack of expertise on the team to be able to do that stuff. But the industry has a major problem when it comes to data. And that's, that's why we see people investing in nonsense stuff like display advertising when they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So it's not surprising to me, data in every industry across every you know, space is always pushed as important because that's how you track KPIs. But just because you have the data, like you said, Stuart, doesn't necessarily mean you know how to use it or you know how to track it or you know how to, you know, dissect it so that you can get valuable insight out of it. So maybe the onus can be on us as an industry to help hoteliers and hotels better understand how to use that data. Uh, we can we can offer them best of pra- or you know best practices so that they can limit the scope at which they're seeing um, this data and then maybe have something in one dashboard that gives them a pretty good understanding of exactly how their business is performing, um, also from a marketing perspective. So it, data is, is endless, and I think it's always been a bu- buzzword, especially you know big data. So, But trying to condense that so that you can have a snapshot or a, an easy way to understand capture that data I think is still a huge challenge for folks so this question is it is it worded in that analytics integration means you have a a great you know I guess UI to see the data or is it a yes no you know you can put in you know Adobe Analytics or Google Analytics tracking code and record data because to me if it seems like it's the latter it should be a yes, no. If I'm talking to any booking engine provider and they don't have analytics integration to where I can't track it. Which a lot don't. It's, yeah. I mean, that becomes the only litmus test I need. Oh, you haven't even thought about tracking and yet you're telling me it's going to have a better conversion rate. You're telling me it's going to be mobile friendly. How do you know any of that thing? That should be like the yes, no. Yeah. If you pass that test, then we'll look at everything else. Agreed. I choir. Agree. Did everyone in the choir here? I'm also biased, <laughs> but you know that's okay. Yeah, I mean, how can you always be testing if you can't be tracking? Right. 
always be tracking. Isn't that what we came up with? Uh, yeah, sure. Always be checking. <laughs> always be checking. That was the last one. Okay. All right. So, man, we've been all doom and gloom so far. We beat up on analytics. We beat up on PMSs. Beat up on vendors, I guess. I mean, on the suppliers and the and the hoteliers. Any, anyone got any positive numbers or insights from this stuff? I have something. Um, in my top takeaways, it's really good to see that people are deprioritizing blockchain now and hardly talking about it. Super exciting. Bitcoin. That is super Bitcoin. exciting. Bitcoin. It's the future, man. It's going to disrupt the industry. Yeah, the future. Yeah, exactly. The future of what? And then conversation. <laughs> and, but I think, listen, realistically, until hotels can put enough power outlets in a room that I can plug everything in that I need, and so can my wife, and so can my kids, I don't care about blockchain. I want power outlets. <laughs> There's my positive. Good point. There you go. Well, I mean, I think that kind of goes to, you know, that one question, you know, it was uh, the way it's worded is in which technology trend should properties be looking to change their level of investment during the next 12 to 24 months? And overwhelmingly, improving guest experience was at the very top. 86.7% are increasing their spends for guest satisfaction. So, I mean, Ricky, you could be getting more plugs in the next 12 to 24 months. (laughs) hey listen that's what it's all about it's funny too because like when when hotels and it's not just them i don't i don't mean to to be uh to beat up on hotels but just in general like when the industry talks about improving guest experience it's so often it's focused around technology it really is little things that make all the difference in the world so like for me i think i mentioned this on, on one of the other podcasts i was on with you guys but showing up to the hotel and seeing there's bottled water and like one or two of the bottles are free like for me, that's amazing because when I when I fly, I always get like these really bad headaches from the from the um, pressure in the plane. And I get to the hotel and it's like I just want to chug water, and you get in there and it's like a bottle of water and it's like you know five bucks. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, really? You know? So just that alone is like, man, this is great. It's just such a great way to start things off. It just makes me feel better immediately. And then having a plug, <laughs> having a plug that's near the bed, so I can plug my phone in at night. And not not behind the nightstand. You don't have to pull the nightstand yeah, out to get to it. The alarm goes off in the morning. I have to, like, you know, like hurdle three things to get to it because it's on the, the opposite side of the room where all the plugs are by the desk. Yeah. Just and, little things like that. And the plugs have to be on both sides of the bed. It doesn't count if it's yes. just on one side. Yeah. <laughs> or when it's behind it's behind the headboard, but the headboard is, is screwed into the wall, so yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- I think this is a bigger problem than blockchain at this point. But it was interesting because, you know, we teased. There's kind of four buzzy things that we, we've we talked about a lot on this show. And it, the industry kind of, the I would say the in- industry media would have you believe that these things are top of mind, super important. Because if you look at the volume of blogs and articles about these four things, you think, okay, I need to be all over it. But the bottom four things on, on that question about level of investment the ones that people really aren't investing in anymore and in a lot probably less are um, artificial intelligence, which I, I think they should probably be investing more in artificial intelligence indirectly through the right appropriate vendors. But it's um, AI, chatbots, VR, and blockchain. So good because people need to focus on the guest experience and the simple stuff before they start monkeying around with stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think AI is almost completely a, a vendor level you know focus you know the the hoteliers should be pushing the vendors and the suppliers to you know create you know that's that ai that's going to help find the right customers 
contact the right customers at the right time. But that's not a, a build it yourself type thing. You got to find a great vendor to do that for you. Yeah, and if you if yeah. you look at the breakdown, so in a lot of these questions, we broke down the answers. We did the aggregate answer and then the answer between the hoteliers and the vendors separately. And uh, the AI piece, over 50% of vendors said that they're going to increase spending on AI research in the next 12 months. So, I mean, I, I'm certain that all three of the vendors on this show today are investing mm-hmm. heavily in AI at this point. So, What else? Any, anyone else have anything interesting that, that stood out to them? There was a couple of small things like, you know, we, we wanted to find out, you know, about the the purchase cycle and things like that and and it was kind of interesting seeing just simple things like asking them what time of year do they do they typically shop you know i think there's a consensus or a belief in the industry that people maybe are shopping more in the the end of the year but it, it was really pretty evenly balanced you know there wasn't a big difference i think the smallest was um we, we did it by quarter right q1 q through q4 i think the smallest was like 20 what 25 percent i'm looking at this now where is it those numbers don't add up um i think the question was posed uh oh because they can look at multiple that's right they can i was like that doesn't equal a hundred percent but yeah it's pretty spread they'll look pretty much any time of the year is what they're saying it's it's, you know i know on our end for pms it's it's a pretty extensive process, so you'll have folks shopping or looking around or educating themselves for a whole year or a year and a half before they come to a decision. So they may just be looking at that as a continuous cycle um, you know, as opposed to just when they're buying. Yeah, and so the follow-up question to that was, um, on average, how long does it take you to make a decision? And, it, you know, it, it, there were a couple of spikes, you know, at certain what you would expect, you know, six and 12 months, you saw pretty big spikes, but the mean average was 11 months to, to select and choose a new uh, technology provider. In, any other standout data before we kind of get into the big takeaways? I thought the, I thought the, um, the note in there about the call center being very, very lacking in terms of satisfaction. Mm-hmm. I think, um, um, Free, I think you mentioned that maybe, or no, Pete mentioned Pete, that earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand that. I mean, call centers. That's that's been around for a really long time, and the technology's been around for a very long time. I don't really understand what it is about those solutions that aren't working. So I, I'd love to, um, you know, maybe talk to some call center vendors at some point, just maybe understand like what they're hearing from their customers. But that still has been around for a really long time. I mean, how how complicated? I don't think the technology again is is the issue. I just wonder if there's if it's like a service thing or like how those guys are falling. See, I, Do you guys I have any insight on that? I think it's an education thing. I, th- I think you have you know, people focusing on what they do to get the guest in the door, be it the website, the booking engine, the PMS, and they kind of see this call center as the kind of the stepchild that it can drive a massive amount of revenue, but the call center's job is not just to answer the phone and answer questions. You, the, I think the hoteliers have to be educated to the point where this is – going to be probably your number one converting tool you have you know if you have and this is kind of where the ai can kind of tie in if your uh, call center staff knows that a guest booked 11 months ago and they haven't booked yet now is a perfect time to place a call to that guest and really be proactive in your your call center performance yeah but i I think it is a lack of understanding and education because you know we look at our client roster 
and and the ones like a lot of them have invested heavily in you know products like Navis or Track or built their own mm-hmm. you know got a couple using Aspect so those those folks get it right they, those are the kind of businesses or, or management groups that have multiple properties and they're looking at the data and everything is mathematical they have shared goals across multiple departments and they're always trying to achieve more they're always trying to optimize those are the people that see the opportunity that those kind of solutions provide and how it's a good positive roi for them the other camp of folks are the ones that don't operate that way they're not always looking to optimize they're trying to maintain the status quo and they're always kind of in reaction mode and to those folks they use their like local telephone provider and they have some unique 800 numbers provided through them but it's it's just it's just a phone system it's it's not a, a sophisticated software that tracks things like the effectiveness of individual agents or the amount of time each individual agent spends or the closing rate of each or individual that agent that person's even caught in the past yeah or the CRM yeah. side right the guest the guest data side they right. they don't they're not looking at the data that way and it's just, it's just an old school mindset. I, I'm seeing it less and less, but it still exists. There's some big, big companies out there that still operate that way. And it, it blows my mind that, that, you know, there's such an opportunity for them to improve. If you're, if you're a call center solution like a Navis right now, you're probably licking your lips because those, those kind of, um, if you can go and show them the ROI and educate them, then, you know, they're going to love you because you're going to generate a whole bunch of new revenue for them. All righty, so... We kind of gone through some of the data. There's some other cool questions in here, and we did, you know, there's there's some cool, um, there's like a tag cloud at the end where we we asked the question about um, what technologies are going to disrupt the hospitality industry in the next 12 and 24 months, and so we did kind of a, a tag cloud of that, and you know, both on both vendor and hotelier side, there were things like Google showed up a lot, um, voice AI, um, those are the kind of things. So that that was pretty neat, um, but. What would you guys say overall were the biggest takeaways from all this data? There's a lot in here that you, again, you can go download this full study from um, fueltravel.com slash tech study. But what what were some of the big takeaways that you guys had after consuming all this information? I was pleasantly happy. I think I just said that twice. But anyway, I was very happy to see that guest experience. Can you be pleasantly unhappy? Is that possible? I don't know. I need more coffee today. Um, but I, I was really happy to see that guest experience is really at the top of priorities for both hoteliers and suppliers. I think that if your guest experience is not at the top, all the other things don't matter. No matter how much money you're spending in marketing or on technology or anything else, if you have unhappy guests, none of that's going to matter. So I'm happy to see the guest experience is top. Yeah, 100%. Anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing to look at, too, is integration. And it's, it's not necessarily there from, you know, ac- across the board. I think, you know, suppliers, you know, needed to integrate better. Hotels need to push for integration better. And if we do that, I think it's going to lead to the guest experience being better as well. Yeah, and I think it's great that both sides of the fence acknowledge that that's a pro- problem. And both sides acknowledge that they're investing in solving the problem as well. So I think it, that... That bodes well for the future of the industry, for sure. What about you, uh, yeah, Ricky? Yeah, I agree with you guys on both of those. Um, the With all the consolidation that's happened just in the last few years, it's still, to me, kind of amazing that there are integration issues, but I guess that's just how it's going to be. Um, you know, you mentioned HTNG. 
and then there's the um, the OTA standard. Mm-hmm. It's OTA, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Online Travel yeah. Alliance, or yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so we've had integration standards for over a decade, and and we're kind of still in that same position. So I think there's, it, from my experience, just having having dealt with this for a while, I think there's two issues with it. Is one, um, hotels want it, but in a lot of times, uh, a lot of cases, they don't want to pay for it, which is totally understandable. And then, in the other issue is that vendors tend to push back on it either because of what I just said about hotels wanting it, not wanting to pay for it, but also because, and we talked about this earlier. Vendors have been historically really bad at monetizing integrations responsibly. Like we were talking about the fees and everything they get heaped on. I think that's starting to change, which I think is good. And I think that's going to improve integration on the whole throughout the industry. Um, But I, to the other point about there being relative alignment between vendors and hotels on most of this stuff, that was another big takeaway for me. Like I was, I was really expecting to see more disparity in that. Um, So it was, it was great to see that there was, much more connectedness on kind of the whole of these issues. Um, definitely differing opinions as we as we get into more of the micro stuff. Um, but I think it's good because once you have that, once you have that consensus on where things are not great, which this study is excellent for highlighting that, you can start to get a sense of where you can focus on the vendor side to please your customers, and your customers can get a sense of okay, what do I need to ask my vendors about because they're feeling some of the same pains that we are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, free. You have anything to add to that? Yeah, and I thought another big thing that was brought up time and time again was ease of use being such an important player here for hoteliers. Um, is it they understand that things are changing in the industry and that there has to be an adoption of new technologies, but at the same time, they're dealing with high turnover. So, how do you make sure as they are implementing and introducing these new technologies into their business? That they're not we as vendors are making it easy for them to train their staff to get their staff up to date with these new technologies and these new tools that we want them to use and leverage in order to um, offer a better guest experience so you know the ease of use part is, is a big player here yeah i agree and and uh, you're right it comes back to the guest experience ultimately we we as vendors i think should be focused a lot on reducing the friction as much as we can for the hotelier so that they can maximize the tool to its fullest potential. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of antiquated tools out there that are just a pain to work with. And it takes a PhD in UI to figure out how to do simple things. So the more we can invest exactly on making it easy for them, I think the better it's going to be for the for the guest at the end of the day. But yeah, I, I agree 100% with all those things that you said there's a couple more takeaways in the study if you want to go download load that uh, and then you know we also reached out to a handful of vendors so we, we reached out to I think we ended up with seven or eight um, vendors that, that provided feedback so I think we're running out of time on this episode so we'll we'll do that next episode we'll just focus on what the other vendors had to say about the study and we also asked them a sneaky little question about how they see the guest experience evolving things like the check-in process uh, 10 years from now. Uh, what do they see it being? What's the vision from the vendor perspective? And we'll, we'll share you that with you uh, in the next episode of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I sound like a real radio DJ there. Um, so, guys, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Free, you knocked it out of the park. You um, For your first time, you were three times better than Richard, and he's been on three times. So, really good job. 
Oh, you guys are being too nice. <laughs> from a certain point of view, maybe. From a certain point of view. You'll find that many truths you cling to in life are from a certain point of view. So, um, But guys, I do want to give you both the opportunity to, to do a shameless plug for your respective businesses. So Free, tell us, tell us a little bit about what's going on at Stay In Touch and how they can reach you. Oh, yeah. So uh, you can reach us um, at stayintouch.com. S-T-A-Y, the letter N-T-O-U-C-H.com. So we are a PMS provider, um, and we're really trying to reimagine the guest experience um, and to bring a level of usability and ease of use that's going to help hoteliers give guests the type of service that they want. So it's really where our you know, vision comes from, giving hotels the tools they need to give guests the type of experiences they're yearning for. Um, so we offer both staff-facing and guest-facing solutions. Um, so mobile check-in, mobile check-out, and constantly evolving that. And the integration part is a big piece of that. We are pushing towards, um, we're getting really close, a, a fully open API, um, which is going to allow us and other vendors to connect better to our PMS. And so we're always pushing boundaries in that regard. And, and again, the I for us or that the target for us is always ultimately helping hotels better service their guests. Awesome. And Ricky, your turn. Shameless plug time. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so yeah, so Flip2, you can find us very easily at um, flip.to. Um, we are an advocacy marketing platform. Uh, we work with hotels, resorts, beds and breakfasts, casinos, attractions, DMOs, pretty much uh, any, anybody that has a guest this industry we work with them um, and the whole idea and premise behind what we do is we we take your guests and we turn them into an extension of your marketing course we get them to go out and tell the story about what it was that made their experience with you so great so whether they're talking about how excited they are to come visit you for the first time or after they've left and they're sharing about what a highlight was of their experience and why uh, spending their hard-earned vacation time or their business travel time or whatever it might be um, at your property or your destination uh, was so great. And then we, um, through gamification, we get them to uh, share that out to their audience of like-minded friends and family and have them come and check out your stuff and see if it's of interest to them. And we build conversion into everything. So it's not just about the storytelling. It's about how do we get the audience that hears that story to then um, act on that interest that they have. Um, uh, so yeah, if that's something anyone is interested in talking about, you can find us at flip.to or you can, um, catch me on Twitter. It's flip to Rick, F L I P number two, R I C K. Awesome. Thanks again for being on the show today. It's really, um, great. It's been great working with you both over the last few months on this study. We're hoping to do this, you know, frequently, whether it's once a year or every six months, just to see how the industry is evolving. We, that's our goal. So uh, you know, part of that's going to depend on on the the demand for it and whether people feel like it's valuable. So again, go download this study, uh, fueltravel.com slash tech study. Get your copy today. It's amazing, and um, lots and lots of hard work from the, the folks here. Uh, Pete, before we go, where can they find you on the web? They can find me on Twitter at p dimeo p d i m a i o, and Melissa. I am on Twitter at M8 Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And uh, Pete, before we go, is there, uh, Ricky was asking, is there any uh, B updates? 
No real bee updates right now. I have gone in and cleaned out all of my hive boxes and hive bodies so that they're ready for when I have new bees. So I'm working on a few new lines. Bees. What's that? New bees. What happened to the old ones? Oh, oh so, see, see. Those the hive bodies? Yeah, so take a look at... Yeah, there's those bodies that were in the hive. Yeah, it uh, was two episodes ago. Yeah, take a look at our show notes from episode 90, and you can see a, pic- a close-up picture of what wax moth larva looks like. And what had happened is about oh, this this winter it was a really tough winter in terms of temperature swings and it messed up my bees, you know, when they want to start harvesting you know, nectar and all that kind of fun stuff. And they started producing, you know, new bees too quickly and it got really cold and froze them out and I've been struggling with them ever since. And then they got too weak and we had a swarm of, I guess, wax moths come in and decimate them. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, so I've cleaned everything out, and I'm hoping to get some newbies in there. But it's kind of a newbies, yeah, newbies. Some newbies but it's <laughs> kind of a funny. weird time of year to, to get bees. Um, can you? Are you going to buy them, or are you going to just go hunt them? No, I have uh, someone else who's a beekeeper, and he's probably going to let me do a hive split, which means I'm going to take several of his frames with bees on them, and hunting everything, and move them over to my hive, and then they'll create a new. They queen. will then assign. Assuming you get them at the right time where there's, you know, larva being formed, mm-hmm. they can assign that to be a queen larva, which will eventually help my pipe, my hive to come back to life. Well, we miss doesn't them. That, doesn't that annoy the hell out of the bees, though, getting pulled out like that? Or I mean, the, all the, thing, the only thing they care about is, you know, collecting nectar and pollen and making honey. I mean, they, they're very focused. I don't think they care who they do it for. They don't care who the boss is. <laughs> we'll get a new queen in there. I'll be fine. I thought you were meaning you versus your buddy. Oh, that's true. They don't are you care. the boss? No, I think we're the the atheist is just the keeper of the bees. Okay, just an observer, yeah. silent observer. Yeah, who fails at his job of keeping them safe. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. He's the bee keeper, not the bee master. <laughs> yes, I'm definitely not a bee master. I've learned that. <laughs> One day, maybe. Yeah, if you're lucky. All right. Well, if you. Uh, Want to get the show notes to this episode? You can do so fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 92. Is that what we're on? Yep. And uh, follow us on Twitter at fueltravel. And uh, if you want to learn more again about the study, fueltravel.com slash tech study. And until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. There is, uh, there's fake news on the back of the report, though. It when, says the most important 30 minutes of your week. Oh, because it's now? Yeah. We're assuming people listen at two speed. That's true. <laughs>